Hello, I'm Dave Feinlieb, and this is Beyond the Shelf. This show is an open exploration of the people and process behind e-commerce. Through conversations with innovators in the space, we learn the stories of these leaders and their strategies for e-commerce success. You can join our mailing list and learn more about how we're helping leading brands and retailers like PepsiCo and Instacart personalize creative at scale at itsrapid.ai. My guest on today's show is Alex Crow. Alex is Global Vice President of Omnichannel Strategy at Critio. Critio helps advertisers, retailers, and publishers activate and monetize audiences everywhere shoppable moments happen. Previously, Alex was Head of Media Partnerships at ASDA. We discuss Alex's background in the space, his experience at ASDA, and the evolving nature of retail media. Please enjoy my conversation with Alex Crow. Alex, so great to see you. Always a pleasure, Dave. Well, take us back, would you? How'd you get your start in the space? You see, I, I'm not like so many newbies to the retail media space. It's, there was not like this divine inspiration or, or bright light from above. It was it was very much kind of where I started and where I grew up. And, and to some extent, you know, most of if not all that I've ever known so so yeah I at university I did a marketing degree as part of that there was a placement working at a kind of local retailer so Donald and Aitchison so not big opticians in the UK at the time uh, so cut my teeth working for those wonderful people um, and then then everything prior to Critio has all been kind of retailer centric roles so it's you know whether it's kind of trade marketing teams in the media teams working in the e-commerce teams or or as as you know kind of monetization roles running asda's media monetization program um that that's that's kind of how it all started and and where it has continued up until into my latest role here at Critia. well so great now this retail media i think we've heard a little bit about it Tell us what's going on. It's obviously a huge space and a and a amazing growth and investment opportunity. Yeah, look, I think it's uh, you know you've got to remember I'm old enough to remember when retail media was definitely the lesser cousin. So it's uh, it's it's you know a great time to be involved in the retail media space. But I think you know what's going on with it. I think you know it's been trailblazed by the Amazons and to a lesser extent Walmart and those wonderful people. I think. So Amazon published $37 billion uh, in monetization revenue. Uh, I think Walmart's 30% growth year on year. So there's, there's there's some big numbers there. And there's a lot of industry excitement that, you know, you and I are, are always privy to and listening to. So if I kind of then dial that right back to a retailer world, because I will keep doing that because that's my bread and butter. You know, there's, there's a lot of cost pressures on retailers at the minute, uh, whether that's the cost price increases coming through or shrinkflation and, and, and others. But then obviously there's there's massive pressures on cost to serve if you think about energy prices, uh, people costs. Um, so if you're a retailer, you, your aspiration is to kind of try and keep prices low for your consumers. So I think what you've got is you've got this massive growth opportunity that people are seeing. You've got inflationary pressures. And then finally, you've got the, the kind of the cookie deprecation. Um, I think everyone's clear on the value of first party data. Um, but I think that a lot of retailers certainly saw their addressable market increase significantly over COVID, 
which means that you know they're in a, a space where they've got this rich first party asset as well. So those three things together, you know, you're a, probably a retailer whose gross margin is sub forty percent. Your EBITDA maybe five to twelve percent, and you're seeing retail media as this incremental revenue source that offers you know seventy to ninety percent for on site, sixty to eighty percent in the physical environment, twenty to forty percent off site. You're kind of keen to get your fair share of that kind of high margin net new opportunity. And that is probably there's the win, win, win. So everybody feels like there's something in it for them. Now, uh, you spent, uh, you know, a number of years at Asda. Tell us a little about that. You're heading up media partnerships. What, what does that involve and, and how has it changed in the last uh, decade? Yeah, look, I mean, Media partnerships. I did that for seven years, so uh, you know a long old time to be be running that team. But you know that was all about media monetization. So that was how you know as a retailer we have our own media proposition, how we leverage our first party data to to essentially target media and use and and report success, uh, and then obviously the the content that goes onto that uh, environment. So you know. When I started, it was very much all trade marketing centric. So it was all about, you know, as a retailer, we've negotiated X percent of cost of goods sold to come into marketing. Can you be a home for that? Uh, be a home for our joint business plan marketing spend? And the assets themselves were, you know, disparate. <laughs> they were they were made up by retailers as a route to to kind of support this. And you think about where the industry is going and has been going probably over the last, you know, 10 years or so is you're seeing you know probably four things one is the assets are evolving so they're becoming more akin to those that you would normally you know recognize and buy through media buying agencies so retailers are cottoning on to that as a as a great opportunity the technology is improving you know when i started we were running a, a 40 million pound business unit way back when off excel spreadsheets so you know the the technology whether that's um you know in order management whether that's in crm whether that's in ad serving and ssp based technology a lot of retailers you know if i tell you when i started as that you know we were putting adverts onto the straight onto the content management system they were staying there for a week you know and they weren't evolving so it was very very different so you've got the assets are evolving. The technology is improving. Then you've got obviously the, the the kind of data and AI discussion, which which I think you know speaks for itself. But it's you know our ability to target and understand consumers so that we can put better relevant content in front of them. You know, getting getting on, and then and then finally the demand sources. So like I said, we were doing trade marketing, joint business plan, cash. But actually, you know, over the time that I was at Asta, that evolved massively. So you're you're unlocking different sources of demand. You, you know, you're understanding what success looks like for different peoples in different organizations or different agencies. So, you know, a lot of change, a lot of moving parts. It's a fast moving industry in so much it's gone on such a change curve in such a short period of time. And I think rightly or wrongly, there's a glare, you know, from Amazon and such publishing such massive growth. So the people in those seats uh, that, you know, I was lucky enough to have for a period of time. Are sitting there going there's pressure internally to to kind of emulate that growth and that opportunity but also there's a lot of complexity around those those areas and and how they fit it all together to to build a proposition really exciting but you know it, it's it's lots of fun lots of sleepless nights for sure 
a lot going on. And I like the way you talked about it. It's, it's not, you know, it's the ad formats, it's the tech, it's the data. So there's a lot you can, a lot to stay abreast of, but a lot you can do there uh, as well, which is great. Now uh, you're at Critio now. You've got this global view, head of omni-channel strategy. Talk to us about that. What are you seeing uh, at leading retailers and brands? You've got kind of this industry-wide view, which is which is really neat. Yeah, it's. I mean, and it, what's great about it is I, I get the pleasure of you know seeing a, an ad tech business's view on it, and I also get the pleasure of seeing the retailers' view. And being from that world, you you feel the the, the opportunities. But look, I think. What we're seeing is retailers are acting more and more like media owners. And what you're then seeing is different brands are starting to look at all the ways in which they think that retailers can support them in meeting whatever their goals are. Um, you know, I, I do perhaps take exception to some people in the industry where they, they talk about, you know, the fact that why aren't retailers like publishers? And, I, you know, like I'll be really clear as a retailer, or I will sit there and say, I don't think that retailers will ever truly be like publishers because their number one objective is is kind of serving the customer and helping the customer in the goal of buying products, which is very different to that of a publisher, which is, you know, eyeballs and attention. And so I, I don't think you're going to ever get that full kind of retailers becoming publishers. But I think, you know, you're seeing some great work and how the industry is coming together through standardization. And I think that's going to help drive scale into the industry, which I think is is really important. But then you've just got each retailer having their own spin on what they want to be excellent or how they want to differentiate. And, you know, it, it does come back to those kind of four, four or five, you know, routes I talked about previously, you know, whether it's they're going to really, you know, leverage that first party date and they're going to make data key to what they're doing or or some of them are you know a, a digital only and they're focused on full funnel digital operations and how they can use their audiences in other people's media whereas others are you know certainly i think and it's different by region i think it's really interesting it's kind of like apac is different to amir which is different to the us so different challenges all very real present challenges a lot of it kind of systemic of what's happened before it and how different markets have dealt with the different challenges but all all really exciting you know it's exciting to see all these things and and try and put your brain to how you can help support you know the the, the guys and girls in the seats that are, that are running these 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 things because it's you know it's exciting for them as well and challenging and challenging i love it it's such a great and it's a it's a it's truly a global perspective so it's uh it's really great when we think about things like uh We've got in-store, we've got online, we've a lot of different channels. Now, you've shared with me something I've been really impressed by, which is this vision for kind of end-to-end from buying, and we've got planning, we've got the content and the media assets themselves, the creation of those. Spend a minute and, and talk us through that, that long-term idea, that long-term vision. My view on it is that retail media, rightly or wrongly, is still very much seen as a route to delivering performance for most advertisers. I think when I, you know, Critio and the the work that we're doing is we're very much focused on that kind of full funnel communication. So it's kind of performance through your sponsored products, it's your on-site display, and then it's your your off-site. But the methodology is kind of different. And I think that this is really important is, is that, our approach is very much coming away from this multi-channel approach, which is kind of disconnected channels that are completely siloed and each channel trying to maximize the interactions that they deliver in that channel to more of a, a kind of 
interconnected approach. So actually, you know, and I, I should say omni-channel because that's the job title. So it's a good plug for why I'm thinking the way I'm thinking. But, you know, it, it's about the fact that, you know, David, if you're off-site, if you're on-site in a browse mode, or if you're, you know, you know, in the product, you're browsing or you're you're in that kind of search phase, you're still David. <laughs> and I think that actually the more and more we can have interconnected channels, especially for retail, which to the point I've made earlier, the goal of retail is, yes, to optimize their monetization goals, but they want to have a great relationships with their customers because the relationships with their customers will drive trips, i.e. people coming back, whether that's the physical or the digital environment. And it'll drive basket spend. So you want to have relevant customer communications. And I, I see the only way that you really do that properly is a kind of omni-channel approach, which is the customer's the center. And then what you're doing is your media touch points are working interconnected around that customer to deliver a really relevant joined up message. So, so you know, that's Critio's goal. I think, and as you know, we, we acquired a business called Brand Crush earlier this year. That is very much all about how where Critio has been, you know, the market leader, I think it's fair to say, in, in the digital side of retail media, what Brandcrush bring to us is that opportunity to leverage the in-store environment. And I think, you know, we all know that for most retailers, you know, they've, they've got bigger audiences there and a bigger participation of their sales is operating in that physical world. So if we kind of play forward the omnichannel view, it's customer at the center, whether they're in a physical environment or a digital environment, whether they're in a retailer's domain or outside of a retailer's domain, how are we having relevant customer communication with them? And then, you know, what's really important with that is you can measure effectively an attribute performance. Because I think if you're operating in a siloed approach, it's very difficult to to actually measure the success because it's a little bit like the seance cup where everyone's got a finger on it pushing it towards the goal, but then all of them are claiming the goal or, or performance media might be play, claiming the goal because they're the last touch. And I think we have to, you know, acknowledge the strengths and the opportunities of all of the media channels of how they all collectively, you know, impact that consumer feeling about a brand or the journey that a consumer's on. And then be honest about how that all comes together because I think that's how we learn more and how we improve. So yeah, that's our, our tack on it or my tack on it. Well, Alex, tell us a little about creative, obviously a space that we're passionate about here at, at It's Rapid. What, what role does uh, display and the assets and the, and the creative part play in this uh, retail media space? Retailers, brands, agencies alike, they, they're taking data so very seriously and they understand and appreciate its value, whether it's to target or to measure activation. I think if I go back to the customer, what the only difference a customer actually sees is what they're actually consuming from a media perspective or the content. So a similar <laughs> level of focus and attention should be paid towards the, 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 the actual interaction that you're having with a customer. So, you know, I, I think, you know, creative is, is of massive importance. I think, especially when you kind of pull it back to that omni-channel style of communication, as opposed to, to kind of multi-channel approaches so you know and, and and i think then you kind of get into some really interesting topics about right well what's the role of each media channel um you know whether it's in the what part of the funnel or whether it's a digital channel or whether it's a, a physical channel because we know physical channels even though you can attribute performance after using loyalty card data and such the targeting's more of a one-to-many approach so but you've, you've got to think about the different media you've got to think about the different 
roles of it and then think about the customer and how do you get that really relevant customer communication and i think that that you know creative has got to be the 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 kind of fabric that brings that all together especially if you want to elicit those conversations that i've talked about previously so when you have the creative and you are thinking about as a brand how do i invest or how much do i invest in online and in store i've physical i've got display ads i've got video i have tv now i have seemingly a you know a, a huge number of channels maybe some some guidelines or some some framework for how to think about that mix look i'm always mindful of advising brands or advising advertisers or you know and being very specific on media mix cuz you know, like I've said, it's very different by different geos. It's very different by different product, ver- you know, product verticals, and it's different by customer. Um, but you know, I keep coming back to that omni-channel approach versus multi-channel approach, and and actually by having a view of all of the different media touch points, having a view of the customer journey, that's going to help us form better modelling about how we best split our budgets. You know, when we target the budgets by different different media type you know who we target them to and and when if it's more of a physical environment uh you know and i think the only bit i'd throw into that if if we kind of say the the approach that we're taking is that omni-channel approach to media supply i think it's then how do you kind of have a similar yet equilibrium approach to the demand side so you know we know that different demand sources can be quite siloed, whether it's, you know, I've got my budget in certain channels or in performance budgets or in trade marketing budgets. Um, you know, I think that how how we as a collective group kind of break down more of those silos, think about the customer at the centre and then, you know, the media touch points all operate around that. I think that will promote the customer communication, you know, um, and conversations as opposed to kind of silo-based reach and frequency of the same content all the way along. I love it. Now, uh, before I talk about where things are headed, I want to ask you one more question from your your ASDA days. I remember looking at some specs of these all these different formats. You've got the ads that go on the site. You've got the end caps. You've got the video modules. You've like so much you can do. And I guess when you're thinking about how to invest. Maybe one of the takeaways I'm hearing is how can I be consistent across this entire the funnel, but also across all these different formats? Is that is that the right way to think about it? Absolutely. I, I think the, the, the main thing is having a view of all of your media touch points and then correctly attributing the same kind of modeling about how you look at the performance. And again, back to that point about knowing the role of the media. So, you know, if I was on the retailer side, you know, I took great pleasure in looking at every single brief that was coming in from every single brand, mapping each one back up to a product category and to a product vertical, uh, looking at, you know, the different content types we put on there, because obviously it was all mapped in a in the, the brand crush-esque technology. That's how, how we would do it. Uh, so you kind of then start looking at, right, well, how does each meet? Which media works best for which objective? Which content works best for which objective? What's how does this map to ROAS and fill rates? And you know, and if you're an advertiser, you're constantly thinking, well, what channels, who to target, where, what medium. 
I think, look, my overarching view, though, and this is quite an interesting one, and it might be quite controversial, but I like a bit of controversy every now and again, is that you're going to, as a retailer, derive competitive advantage if your comms is leveraging skew-based approach as opposed to it being that classical audience-based approach. So a couple of reasons, you know, obviously I I worked on a network that was operated like that. But, you know, if you if you operate centered in the, the kind of skew, then you have this ability to include things like call to actions, like prices and buy in your communication, which always drives better outcomes than than fully kind of branded content or or, or otherwise. I think, you know, from a customer satisfaction perspective, if you're rooted in the skew, your content is linked to your merchandising. So, you know, if I think about at a retailer, local stores fulfill different home delivery. So, you know, different SKUs aren't available in different stores. So if you've got your rooted in the SKU, you can make sure that it's merchandised in the store that's picking it. And you can make sure that, you know, it's in stock, you know, simple, simple things, but massive when it comes to kind of like bottom of the funnel media communications and i think that if you kind of if you can then bring together the audience targeting approach the skew based approach and look at affinities so you know i might like fresh produce and i might want the best fresh produce and the fresh freshest best meats and fish ironically i'm a vegetarian so that that probably doesn't work but you kind of get the idea but i have two tiny humans which i'm very proud of now, the thing is, they like fish fingers, you know, bird's eye potato waffles and baked beans. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that whether that's the own label version, the opening price point version, that doesn't bother me one jot because, quite frankly, they're not likely to taste the difference, as it were. So if you start to understand, if everything's rooted in the skew and advertisers know the audience they want to target, I think there's a real nice job that we can all do in mapping audiences to skews, understanding the affinities between the two in a kind of predictive way. That's how I think that that there's some real nice wins and opportunities when you think about retail media networks and how they develop, how they're supporting brands in what they're doing. And some of them are doing really nice work in this already. But but I think that that's, you know, being rooted in the skew is really, really important for, for this channel as opposed to this kind of audience approach without really understanding the kind of the detail and the the challenging operations of a a retailer in a retail media environment. What a great insight. So not necessarily that not necessarily easy to do the skew level creative and the market level or event level creative, but really powerful if you can do it. Yeah. I mean, the performance stats were phenomenal when we looked at the two differences and obviously that was in in the, the the operator that I operated in, but if it worked there, I'm, I'd be highly highly surprised if it was demonstrably different if you operate elsewhere. So it is a pain, it is a challenge, it adds complexity. But you know, having fully branded content that's quite disruptive to a customer journey, at, you know, certainly on a on at the mid to bottom of the funnel, versus having perhaps the same branding, but having the appropriate call to action and it feeling a bit more native and it being linked to products that are in stock and that are merchandised that are relevant for the customer, the return gains are are a lot higher if you if you kind of operate in that way than a than an audience based, you know, front end. It doesn't matter who the, the end consumer is and if it's in stock. 
It's great. I always learn so much when we chat. So I uh, am, am incredibly appreciative. Well, let me ask you one more question here. So we've kind of covered some some history. We've talked about some formats and capabilities. Looking ahead now to the next couple of months, maybe, or next couple of years, things are moving so quickly. What's on the horizon? What are you seeing in some of your conversations with brands and retailers? If you said to me, if it was up to me and the three things I would focus on, I'd be, you know, drive scale through standards. How do you bring the the physical environment back into play? Uh, because I think that we know that audiences and performance gains are there. And then then scale your offsite, which is where most of us are spending most of our time. And why would you not want to talk to most of us? Well, Alex, it's been a pleasure. Let me ask you a couple of fun questions before we wrap up here. Uh, first off. Thinking about people who have inspired you, is there someone in your professional life who's uh, who's inspired you or who maybe you've, you've learned from over the years? Yeah, I always think that there's kind of two things, isn't there? There's, there's what we do and there's how we do it. So I think, you know, I, there's too many to list of people that have taught me new things or made me think in a different way. I think how we do it, I, I kind of keep coming back to that, the seven habits of highly effective people. And uh I had uh, a boss who was very made this very real. His name was Don Birch, real good guy, and uh, he he definitely got my mind working in a different way, which was kind of less of this: how do we win? How do we drive? How do we innovate? And more of this: right, well, how do we bring everybody on the journey? And how do you you know you think you're saying this, but what do you actually what are you actually saying, or how can this be interpreted? So he was uh, he was very uh, very. Um, supportive and you know helped me think in a very different way so so there you go that's that's my person that's a good one i love it and uh obviously we all spend a lot of time at work but uh hobbies outside of uh friends and and family i was gonna say yeah outside of work friends and family you're kind of i know we're, those we're are talking the, about especially a, with a, with, a fraction, uh, with here, kids, my friend. Uh, yeah. where does the time go but uh <laughs> yeah quite um yeah, look, I, I mean, I'm a, I, I enjoy a bit of sport. I'm not going to lie. So uh, whether that it, it's more watching than playing these days, uh, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, now it's if it, if it is uh, the physical X, uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's out in the doing more walks. So I I went and did the Yorkshire Three Peaks a couple of weekends ago, um, which it's 25, 26 miles of fun and three peaks, um, which you know. I think it's the third or fourth time I've done it and uh, the time's not getting much worse, but the uh, recovery time, the recovery time is, is demonstrably longer for sure. The tough part, but uh, that is cool. I like that. That's a, that's amazing. I'm uh, I'm big into the outdoors myself. So uh, I love it. Well, Alex, as I said, it's been a pleasure. If people would like to find you online, what's the, what's the best way for them to, to find you or, or reach you? Yeah, LinkedIn's normally uh, normally the the way to go, isn't it? So uh, yeah, let's stick with the stock answer of LinkedIn without giving phone numbers and emails away, and then me being, uh, you know, for your monstrous following here, Dave. I, what, I, I've got to be mindful that I, you know it's yeah, I don't want to be uh, exactly. don't want to be inundated. Exactly. All right. <laughs> well, I love it. I think uh, I think my big takeaway is really this customer centric and kind of everything comes from there all these different ways of working together and and where we're headed but i think that's such a great great insight so alex thanks so much for taking the time to talk with us today god bless dave
Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard, please visit our website at itsrapid.ai, where you can find out more about how we're helping leading brands like PepsiCo save thousands of hours a year when it comes to retail media and digital shelf content creation. And don't forget to subscribe to hear more great episodes of Beyond the Shelf. See you next time.